Hey guys, this is the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line, brought to you by me, Dylan Hartley. Last week, I had loads of fun with Anthony Watson and Elliot Daly, our first episode back and the start of a brand new series. If last week was all about speed, then this week's all about muscle. I'm beaming into camp to join two of England's forwards. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you flanker Mark Wilson and lock Johnny Hill. Let's start with the game on Saturday. Just a quick word on it. Obviously, boys, not the way you wanted to start with a loss. What what was said in the changing room afterwards? Uh, Wilkes, you're, you're the the senior statesman here. I'll, I'll fire that one to you. Um, I think, obviously, we all knew that we, we didn't perform to anywhere near of what we're capable of. Uh, the boss and, and the leaders were pretty clear in the fact of we had to, to park it pretty quick because, obviously, this tournament comes thick and fast. And we know we know how disappointing we were on the day. So there's no point kind of feeling sorry for ourselves. And, you know, that's the first thing Eddie said. Don't put your head down. Let's just get on with it. And that's what we're uh, that's what we're trying to aim to do now. Johnny, what about you? Like, do you feel like you boys didn't fire a shot? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think uh, early doors, we potentially had opportunities to fire shots in the first half, especially, and we never did. And, and credit to Scotland, they came they came with a plan and they, and they had a lot of intent with with how they played. But yeah, it was it was really frustrating to to kind of build up to the start of the tournament like that, and and then just be suppressed like straight away almost. So it's about us kind of bouncing back now and just reacting and, and moving on to the next one. Mate, if, if history is anything to go by, um, is a pretty good lesson. And last year with, with that opening game in Paris, and then you boys going on to lift the silverware. Those sorts of losses, uh, I'd rather. It, early on in a campaign so you can rectify those things. And I think it's probably the best thing for you boys. It's happened nice and early, little blip on your radar. And and looking at you guys from the outside, you're a bloody, you're a consistent team. So it's, it's a nice little kick up the backside. And I've got no doubt you boys are going to come back stronger. Um, one thing I wanted to pick up on, special moment for Ben Obano yesterday. How did you make it special for, for him? I think Marrow managed to get a few videos off his family sent sent through and there's some good characters on there from his family sending through some nice messages and we had a bit of a laugh and also, you know, quite touching as well. Like it was special for him to to make his debut. So uh, the night before, obviously, we got together outside, socially distanced in the, in the marquee or freezing cold. But, you know, being able to get those messages off his family was pretty special. And uh, obviously after the game, he did, his, he did his song back at the hotel as well. Lovely. Anything to add, Johnny? Just kind of echo what, what Will said. It's, it's really... Having been capped recently, um, it's a really important day for, for, for Benno and us not getting the right side of the result, but we still have to make it like a good day for him and a good evening. So it's really important that we remember the feeling from the game, but celebrating that day for Benno is is as important as well. So um, it was nice to, nice to be in there with him and enjoy the evening. Beauty. Well, congrats to him. Uh, let's change the subject, wind it back a bit, even though Six Nations last year feels like about a decade ago. Uh, coming back from Japan and the run-up to the 2020 Championship, it was an interesting time for you, Wilkes. Obviously going to sail, been out for three months, getting back fit just in time. Tell us about that. Yeah, it was a bit of a crazy time. I was living mainly out of my car, swinging between Newcastle and, and Manchester until I decided to get a flat, which was two streets near Curry, which was, uh, I didn't know whether that was a good decision or a bad decision at the time. <laughs> you know, sale were brilliant in the fact that they um, allowed me to do my rehabs and stuff there. They could have easily turned around and said, you know, don't bother coming. Uh, so, you know, I managed to have a couple of games for them and then, and then luckily enough to get back for the, for the championship, playing in the Wales game. So, 
it was quite a tough rehab. Like I, I'd already had the knee knee problem before, but the staff there were brilliant with us, and yeah, I was just glad to get back on the pitch with the boys. Uh, these boys here. We'll go into this a little bit later, but um, you're a bit of a late bloomer to the the international scene. Did you did you ever fear like with that sort of injury you might not get that opportunity again? And obviously, when you do get back to play, you know what did that mean to you? That sort of pride. How how did what's that? You, what's, what's happened there? I, I was like, the is this is my setup. No, it's Wilson's setup. I don't know why the lights gone. Hold on, with that. <laughs> For people that can't see, uh, the lights have turned out, and I cannot see Mark Wilson. He's just vanished. Come back, Wilson. I just I just I'll just do a little circle on the laptop. I can't even remember what I asked you now. Um, obviously, getting injured, did, were you worried or concerned that you might not get that opportunity again? And then when you finally got back, you know, how good did that feel? Oh, yeah, that, straight away, I kind of questioned that and, and started to, you sometimes fear the worst. You know, you know yourself how much of a special thing it is to play for your country. And uh, I think it just made me realise how grateful I am for the, for the opportunity. And, and when, when I got the call up for Wales, it just kind of, it was almost more, you know, one of the most exciting games I played for for England. Obviously, people talk about the debuts, but you know that opportunity to after coming back off a bit off a decent injury, yeah, it was it was exciting. But certainly, certainly made me realise how grateful we are to to, to play. Hundred uh, percent, Johnny. I can see you nodding off there. You just had a big roast dinner this time last year. How were you feeling about that elusive first cap? You've been you've been chasing it for a while. Um, did you ever think you'd be sat here, domestic, European, and Six Nations champ? Um, yeah, it's it's been a a whirlwind kind of twelve months to be honest. To to have the lockdown and the, and the lows of the year and and then to kind of I set some goals over lockdown and and the team the Chiefs we set some goals and we wanted to to go out and win some trophies. It was it was like a obviously a shortened season when we returned, so it was about us getting in the best shape possible individually, doing our own programs, and then hitting the hitting the ground running. And thankfully, I got I got selected in a lot of those games and and I got recognised by Eddie by my form so I was really thankful of of my teammates at the club as well that, that kind of helped me along the way because I couldn't I can't really do that without those guys and and to be playing to be pl- playing on this stage now is just is everything that I ever could have wished for to be honest um, and when I played at the weekend against Scotland it was just stood there listening to the anthems and it was just like again that it's something I, I know that I'll never take for granted playing for my country because it's um, something that I've built up for for a long, long time. Good on you, mate. you got like um, Luke Cowan, Dickie, Jack Knoll, Henry Slade. Did you always look at those international boys and think, oh, I, want, I want a bit of that. I want a piece of that. Like, when, when's my time going to come? Or were you just kind of plugging away and the opportunity presented itself? Or were you really, really, really going for it? Were you pushing yourself for that for that chance? I kind of saw the those guys... The way they trained at the club and and how professional they are, and I was like, I'm I'm jumping aboard that ship. I, I want a piece of that pie, to be honest. So I did everything that I could, and no matter how how well I was playing, I just wanted to take the the selection out of Eddie's hands. I wanted him to have to pick me because I was I was so good. I didn't want him to have to make a decision, you know. Oh, good on you, mate. It does help when you're winning uh, European titles, <laughs> yeah, European sure. titles. You know what I mean? It's um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, enough of the serious stuff. Uh, first song from you. What was it? <laughs> you want me to sing a song now? No, no. Well, I mean, if you're offering, I, I was, I was actually on, just asking what the song was. <laughs> I thought Go you on, said John. enough of the serious stuff. <laughs> sing a song, that's fine. I did say that. And O2 <laughs> want you to sing a song, so sing the song. No way. Oh, I sang American Pie by Don McLean. Oh, a classic. 
Uh, Wilfs, can you throw it back to 20, what was it, 2018? 2017, yeah. Um, uh, it was Paolo, Paolo Nutini, last request. Oh my gosh. I wish I could remember that, but I can't. It was, on the, it, was, it was on the bus. And I remember DC saying to me afterwards, he was like, why did you keep making eye contact with me? After, <laughs> you know, it's like quite a romantic song. I was like, mate, you're just in my line of vision. You know what I mean? I wasn't, I wasn't looking at you specifically. I'll tell you why. Because I think he's just been voted most handsome man in rugby or something like that, hasn't he? Oh my God. <laughs> he is slightly dreamy as uh, Danny Kerr. Right, um, let, let's talk about your early stories. We've talked about the here and now. I want to know about your journeys getting to where you are. I alluded to it earlier. Wilkes, you are a hell of a late bloomer in a few respects, actually. I've <laughs> done my research on you about your academy days and whatnot. Tell us a little bit about your journey getting to even professional rugby. Well, first of all, I, I didn't start rugby till I was at secondary school. Uh, I didn't go to a, a rugby school. It was just a just I had, I had a, a teacher called Dean Barker who was uh, mad into his rugby and he kind of took me under his wing. And then when I, when I got to kind of 13, 14, he got in touch with the guys at Newcastle, uh, John Fletcher and Pete Walton at the time. That's, that's going back a long time now, isn't it? <laughs> uh, and they invited me over to to have a bit of like a couple of days kind of trial and I've, I've, ne- I've never been away since. So, you know, I did, I didn't, it didn't all go swimmingly well during the academy. I missed out on a couple of under 18s tours that went to Ireland. A couple of times I started questioning whether, whether they were going to keep us on. But I went to uni over in Northumbria and played a bit of student rugby, played a bit of uh, local rugby down at Bayern Rugby Club as well. Uh, Alan Tate at the time, who was first team coach, signed us up in 2010. And even he said then, he, he when he realised I was only 19, he was he was buzzing because he thought I was 26. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, so that was pretty much the start of it, starting with Newcastle, yeah. And um, I, I read up that you um, you did a lot of miles, mate. I mean, your dad did a lot of miles and your taste of music is basically kind of driving power ballads because of the, the CDs you used to get through with your dad on the way to training and back. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, we'd, we'd uh, every fortnight we'd go over to Newcastle. So, you know, it's a good two-hour journey. And, and one thing that he always did was he was in charge of the music. And I had to just see if I could listen, even if I didn't like it. So I learned to love it. Uh, <laughs> so there's all sorts of rock ballads. There's even some Bee Gees in there. There's also a Fleetwood Mac was his favourite. Yeah, I've, I've got a, a little bit of older taste of music than some of these young boys. Now. I mean, I'm, I'm nodding because I know those people, but um, any of our younger <laughs> listeners might have to Google those. Um, Johnny, what about you? Bit of rugby pedigree in your family? Farming background, I read. Is, yeah. that, is that right? I, I actually had to double check this. Um <laughs> I read that your dad is in the stock market and I thought he was like some sort of like city broker. But if you've got a farming pedigree, um, I think I'm the wrong stock. Yeah, right? he's, he's probably the opposite, like furthest thing away from a stock broker. <laughs> he shovels poo for a living. Okay, fine. Yeah. Yeah. How did you find your way to rugby? So I was, I was kind of late as well. I played a lot of football when I was younger. But going back to the pedigree thing, my uncle, my mum's twin brother, was a rugby league player. Paul Lachlan, he played for St. Helens and I always really looked up to him and he kind of got me into into like rugby as a whole. And then after playing a bit of football, I, I went with my brother to a Lucktonians rugby club and played there from like under nines, but still interlinked with football as well. So I kind of put it, put it down again and I enjoy like shooting, fishing, things like that. Never really took it too serious and I went back and played Colts at like under 19s and 
started to enjoy the rugby a bit more because there was a social element to it after as well. So I enjoyed that. And then my, my coach kind of said, I don't think you realise that you've got something very important in rugby and no one can coach six foot seven. <laughs> and I was like, I don't really, didn't really get what he's talking about. He's like, look, you can catch a ball and you're really tall. There's a shortage of you in the country. So I think you should go to Hartbury College and, um, and just give it, a, give it a crack. And I was, I was 17 at the time. I was, spoke, spoke to my dad about it and he said, yeah, yeah, why not? Let's do it. So I went down there and, and got selected to play in the, in the, in the Harbury side and played with a lot of, to be fair, the side is uh, was like me, Ellis Genge, Elliot Stook, Billy Burns, Ross Moriarty, Callum Braley, like there's Lewis Ludlow, there's some good guys in that side and playing, playing with those guys every Wednesday afternoon was, was like, was kind of the pinnacle of rugby for me as the growing up and enjoyed all of that stuff and then got picked up by Gloucester, had a season and a half there and then transferred down to Exeter and had six years at Exeter now and um, got me got me to here. It's not the first time I've heard Hartbury mentioned on this uh, this podcast, quite a lot of pedigree coming out of there. I can imagine the social element uh Hartbury with those boys is pretty good as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a really, really good fun. Wednesday nights in, uh, in Gloucester, also known as Gloss Vegas, it was uh, some good evenings. Did your dad like kind of drop you off and say good luck to you? If this doesn't work out, you come back to the farm type thing. Was that ever an option? You know, if, if you weren't playing now, what what sort of thing would you be doing? You reckon? Yeah, definitely. You hit the nail on the head there. Um, he was just like, just go and give it a go, and don't worry about it. Um, you can come back and play for your play for Lactonians and work on the farm. I'd be I'd be involved in farming, yeah, for sure. Uh, if I wasn't a rugby player, but yeah, he dropped me off and. I called him up like a couple of weeks later. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm in the first team. And he, he didn't believe me. <laughs> of course you are, He's son. Like, of course really? you are. <laughs> Wills, uh, well, it's a question for both of you, actually. What, was playing for England from an early age something that you dreamed and aspired to do? Or did it just kind of happen over time? Oh, 100%. It was something that I, um, that I dreamt about. But I think that my first thing was becoming professional. That was my biggest goal to start with. And I always had that just in the background, just kind of really like kind of hoping for. And then obviously once the professional career started kicking off and that's when the the hunger and the desire to play for England obviously grew and grew and grew. You know, you end up chasing it hard. You know, that's a pinnacle of of what you're doing and, and why we play rugby. So it was definitely something that I chased really hard. Did you ever think, because you, you got capped at 28, a lot of people would think the ship has sailed at that point. You know, everyone kind of thinks you've got to make an impression from a young age. And once you're in the system, that's you done, basically. And, and if you've missed that boat or that ship is sailed, like I said, people kind of give up on that. Like your, your story is unbelievable in terms of resilience, patience, whatever you want to call it. Did you ever think you'd miss that chance or you just kept plugging away? What What was it? I think there was, there was I'd be lying if I said there was times where I started to question whether it ever happened. But I also am really grateful with the way that it panned out because it kept me hungry. Do you know what I mean? It kept, it kept me hungry for it. And I, and I wanted to keep chasing it because I always believed that there might, there might be a chance. And I also reckon that, that when I was 21, 22 with the likes of these back row lads, like Tom Curry and Ben Hill, like I was nowhere near as good as them. Like nowhere near uh, at that age, but I was really grateful for was that throughout my career at Newcastle and playing week in, week out for, for them made me grow as a player and get better as a player. And, and I, th- I just think that I probably was 
ready at the time in which I got got the call. And I'm, I'm so pleased it panned out the way it did. It's a great story, mate. Skip <laughs> chipping away. Uh, Johnny, what about you? Obviously, 20, 26 when you got kept. Like, am I right in saying you you partnered with Mauro Toje in England under twenties? Yeah, I, I played in the uh, in the Six Nations campaign. There was me, Mauro, and Charlie. We're, we're the three second rows, and Tom Ellis as well from Bath. So I kind of had a few injuries between under twenties and and making my Premiership debut. And for me to sit back on the sidelines and, and watch those guys, Charlie and Mauro and Tom Ellis, make make Premiership debuts and gain international experience and I know like regular premiership players I, I, I gain confidence from that and I just very similar to Wills to just kept chipping away and I knew that me being the, the best Chiefs player I could be would help me and then as I got older and more experienced I then kind of moved my focus towards playing for England then and it was like kind of two years ago since going on the the tour to South Africa I wanted to I had I had a taste of the tour and I was watching watching all these professionals, how they do things even like Monday to Friday. And I, I learned a lot from them. And, and that's when I really started to accelerate my, my kind of hard work towards it. I'm going to ask you kind of like um, a deeper question here. Like obviously Mauro's been on the scene for three, three, four years now. And my opinion is he's a world-class player. You're obviously coming through the, the ranks with them. Did you ever think, I wish I was there with Mauro doing that and maybe I'm not good enough? Did you ever have that conversation with you with, with yourself? Yeah, I, I, I did definitely. Um, but like I said, I, I gained confidence because I'd I'd kind of rub shoulders with those guys at early ages, and if they can do it, I can do it, sort of thing. So I just gained I gained confidence from from them doing it, and to see those guys like watching Ross and Marrow go on go on the Lions tour, I was like, I was really really happy for them, and like so I, I can do that as well. These guys are great players, but I've been there with them. I, I know what they're about. I mean, there's nothing like your stories, but I missed out on like the first 15 when I was 12. 25 kids went to a trial and three didn't get picked. And I didn't make the first 15, mate. It cut me deep. And uh, I got told I was a bit too big at the time. So since that, you know, that moment at 12, 13 years old, I started running like 3K every day. I still ended up in the front row mine, but I think I instilled a pretty good habit that day to kind of uh, deal with a setback. You know what I mean? Hi, I'm Courtney, England Lock, here to remind you to leave us a rating and a review at the end of the podcast. Cheers. Uh, Will, I'm going to throw it back to when I first met you. We took a very, 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 very young team to Argentina. And I was sat there with Danny Kerr, Joe Launchbury, George Ford, uh, Johnny May, Chris Robshaw. There was like five or six of us kind of uh, caught, you know, we'd been around that England team a, a long time. And we inherited like 20-odd 18, 19, 20-year-olds. <laughs> and we didn't know how to communicate with these guys. Like we, we inherited this whole new team where they didn't understand how we needed to train, how we prepared. It was a big job. And I, I just remember that tour. There, there was a couple of guys that kind of came into the, the fray there, Piers Francis and yourself, slightly more experienced. And for me, having some older grey heads in the side, guys that could understand how to prepare, understand professionalism, understand how to enjoy a tour um, was was massive. So 
It's, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just saying thank you for being on that tour because you helped me out a lot. Mate. <laughs> and I mean, it would have been brilliant if you were my roommate. We we would have had a great old time. But um, have you got any got any early memories of that tour? Yeah, well, I I, I just remember thinking the same. I, I remember thinking the. You know, we had the Curry brothers, we had uh, Nick Azikwe, and it was quite refreshing because it was kind of like, like I said, we were the more elder statesmen, but they were um, they were like a bundle of like a big ball of energy, weren't they? And it was um, and it was it was good. It was obviously it was the first intro to, to Eddie's way of training as well, which was a bit of a shock to the system. You know, the intensity with sessions were were, were, were tough. Uh, I, I'll always remember we did like a team run and, and Ben Curry chopped Joe Launchbury, chopped tackle Joe Launchbury. And now, Launch is a pretty chill-out guy, isn't he, most of the time? But I've never seen the guy so angry because this 18-year-old before the first test has absolutely shot him in half. This is Friday afternoon, right? This is Friday afternoon before, before the game. And I'm thinking, Ben, what are you doing? Uh, this is our number one second row, you know what I mean? Uh, and you've just chop tackled him the day before a game. But yeah, no, it was it was good. It was good. It was a good tour, and because we had a couple of days after the tour finished, didn't we? Out there, we had a couple of you know, so we had a good social at the end of it as well, which was good. And you don't <laughs> know, but I've got some lovely photos of uh, you and my phone, Wilkes. You and Neil Hatley actually <laughs> oh, no. having a good snooze on the bus um, after our last night. Oh yeah, I remember. Uh, I just want to pick up on something you just mentioned there with that young group. Like you said, it was the first time you'd experienced, you know, Eddie's style of training. So by that point, you know, that core group of players that I mentioned before, we'd had two years of it. So we understood how to prepare. You at 28 years old, did you think you had it worked out? You know, you've been doing it for 10 odd years. And all of a sudden, is that a bit of a curveball to work, work with someone like Eddie? And how has that kind of made you progress even further as a player now? And I think the, the the beauty of what it did was I, I learned about actually actually how how to train and how to prepare yourself properly for a game. Now that's not that's not any disrespect to the training regimes we had at club level, but it was just kind of we just had a deeper understanding of what you know what day is going to go hard. Because obviously the game training day that we that we have during the week is is a way of you know mentally and physically getting yourself right to to play for the weekend. And sometimes, obviously, you know when you've got like big club campaigns, like it's, it's about managing yourself really, isn't it? You know, some, some lads don't turn up till team run day. Whereas, you know, for, for internationals and especially the way that Eddie obviously wants to prepare us, we, we've got to be training at a, a high intensity to be able to be, to be ready to, to perform on in the test match. And that was, and that was a big learning curve, but certainly as even, even, you know, each camp that we have, like I'm always learning ways in which that, you know, how to how to manage yourself through the week and what days you need to go really intense and what days you need to chill out uh, and recover. So I think that the beauty of what he does is he explains why everything's done and that's and that's good to know as a player. Yeah. If there's one man that needs to learn to chill out in terms of training, it's you. Fittest <laughs> man in the England rugby team, hardest working man. Um, Johnny you, you didn't experience it Johnny but I was one of the older players when I was there and Eddie's remit for me was like you're one of the oldest here so you're going to be one of the hardest working so if they all see the old guy working really hard it sets an example and um, that was my job basically uh, Johnny your your first kind of England involvement 2018 South Africa you obviously didn't play but did was it tough on that that front or did you just enjoy the the tour to, like you say, rub shoulders with those boys and, and be there finally. As Eddie explained in the media last week, I spent three weeks on the toilet from some dodgy biltong. <laughs> is, that, is that true or not? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that why you didn't play? Is it why you suggested you didn't play? Well, I was I was ill for quite a bit of it and I uh, lost quite a bit of weight, to be honest. But to be honest, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed all of it. Um, and I, I believe that everything happens for a reason. And at the time, I thought I was ready to play test rugby. But when I look back, I'm like, <laughs> I was miles off it. <laughs> like, I'm glad he didn't put me on that day because um, I could have been made a fall out of. So it was an experience that I'm, that I'm happy for. It's something that I, I learned a lot, a lot of, like I said earlier, just rubbing shoulders with those guys was, was really important for me to gain confidence, just going back to my club and, and seeing, seeing that step above. Right, we're having a half-time break here. It's just been me chatting to you guys, asking you stuff. Uh, you've both got one question to ask me. Uh, it can be about anything. So Mark Wilson rubbing his hands together, <laughs> ask me anything. What you got? Right, so we've alluded to, we've had some good times together here, haven't we, in, uh, in camp, Dills? I remember, um, so I'll set the scene, like 2018, it'd be about end of November time we've just had four games on the bounce with England we've had decent we've had decent autumn campaign beat Australia in the last game and had a really good social afterwards like we did a bit of karaoke together spent a lot spent about five weeks together so the next week Newcastle have got Northampton away you know, you know what's I'm, I'm skipper you're skipper I'm coming out of the captain's toss come down the uh, corridor and someone doesn't even make eye, eye contact with me. What was it all about? I can't remember <laughs> that, mate. <laughs> it was like blue steel. Like, I was like, put my hand out. All right, Dills, how are you getting on? And you just went, Whew. like, not even like anything. And like, even, I can't remember who the ref was that day, but even he was like, looking over his, looking his shoulder at me to go, what's going on here? Are you so I want to know what it's all about. Yeah. Mate, I, honestly, I can't that, remember that. Was that, that. Look, game face? Was that game I, face? I played a lot of rugby, but <laughs> the older I got, like the more relaxed I became. Like maybe I was just strictly business mode. I, yeah, I, I don't think know. I think I think you were. I think you were, and I, I thought, oh, he must be playing mind games with me. Here. Well, <laughs> wait, obviously, yeah, because you're still thinking about it. And ah, I exactly, forgot about exactly, it. exactly. I'm so <laughs> sorry. Um, I was probably brassed off that um, I'd finished it uh, in autumn campaign I had to go to Newcastle that was probably annoyed about that if I'm honest um, I'm so very sorry honestly I was usually really um, chatty at, at coin toss no, time we, we had crack about it after the game but I was I was, uh, I always wanted to pull you up on that because it, uh, it made me laugh I'm so sorry um, that's poor that's poor that's perfect perfect you that deals um, I, I love it how you referred to that autumn campaign as well is it the one where you got um, man of the match against South Africa yeah uh, yeah, yeah, that was. I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't bringing that up because of that reason. No Radio, and to you guys at home, if you want to send in your own question for me, just record a voice note and send it to 07940445002 or leave a question when you review the podcast using the hashtag AskDylanAnything. I want to delve into like what you have learned and what you're doing now. Like I find it really interesting because I can only relate to to my journey to, to an England shirt. It was kind of easy coming through when there's no expectation on you. I seem to get to an England shirt with relatively a smooth path as in there was retiring players, you know, the Steve Thompson's, the Ronnie Regan's were kind of 
leaving the game. And there was kind of like a clear pathway for me to go get capped. And no one really knows who you are on the scene. You come through a couple of carries. I used to carry the ball really well, Johnny. Like when I was 19, 20, I was like a young Luke Cowan Dickey, mate, honestly. <laughs> you offloads here and there. I even put boot. I even put boot to ball um, <laughs> a few times a game, um, like a young Jamie George, but it all kind of got drilled out of me by the time I retired. But I kind of got there. But then I found once I was there, that's where the actual work began. Because as soon as you're there, it's like there's this narrative of direct competition. There's a, a Rob Webber, Tom Youngs, Lee Mears, Steve Thompson come out of retirement again. He wants another go. Then like the penny drops, you've got to start doing a bit more. You've got to start working. And I find it really interesting that you said, Johnny, like you thought you were ready, but then you saw what it was about and you went away and worked. What are you both doing now to basically make sure you stay there? Uh, Will, so I don't know if you'd be there for another decade, but um, <laughs> what, what are you doing to make sure you get the, the, the most out of this opportunity? Johnny, you first. Um, I think the most important thing, the thing that everyone sees on the field is your body. And we are we are bodies and it is the most important thing you need to make you need to invest in yourself and that's not monetary values it's just like grafting to make sure your body is right like today and tomorrow is is about me getting myself right to train for the, for the week to prepare to prepare for the game and the mental side of it as well like recovering the mind and getting ready to move on to the next challenge so, for instance, over Christmas, had two weeks off over Christmas. It, it's great. And it's like, oh, well done. You've got two weeks for Christmas. But it's, it's, I'm not going to sit at Christmas Day and eat a, a ton load of food because it's not going to be good for me in the long run. So, like, it's all about planning and being diligent with, with like the Monday to Friday stuff. Oh, please just tell me you did like a, a rocky moment on Christmas Day and you went out on the farm and you started doing a whole lot of fu- like ch- towing tractors and stuff like that. No, no I just, I just, uh, I did uh, some, some fasted cardio before the day started. So then I knew I was on a deficit before, before I could pilot it. <laughs> Not a diet coach, um, It's just yeah. little things like that. It's just making sure it's about, an, I think it's more about an awareness thing. And as, as I've kind of got older, I've I realized what my body appreciates and what my body doesn't appreciate. And it's about listening to your body as well. And just, and like I say, investing in yourself and, and being diligent with it. Well, I'm, I'm going to come back to you in a second, Johnny. Will, what about you? What, what's kind of, how are you kind of ratcheting, notching things up? For, for me, I've, I, my tendency has always been trying to train every day at 100%. And what I kind of found over the last 18 months is that injuries have crept in, crept in and, Obviously, with being slightly aging, as you've alluded to, uh, <laughs> slightly aging athlete, um, my big learning curve and a lot of the chats that I've had with the SNC guys here is actually knowing when to go 100% and then knowing when to take it right down to, right, you need to chill and do nothing today. And just really trying to manage your body a lot more and invest more time in, in recovery. And I think that's a big thing of like when I first when I first joined here and realizing the amount of time you've got to spend in, in your recovery. Like, you, you know, Johnny May, the master of recovery, like, you know, him and Ford and the way that they conduct themselves around that for me was mind blowing. I was like, I can't believe these boys, how much time they spend on it. Sometimes I'd just, you know, sit on a bike for 10 minutes and that'll be, that'll be it. You know what I mean? So I think that's just an excuse for Johnny and Fordy to be in each other's pockets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's um, yeah, just, just, just making sure that, that I'm right to train as hard as I can in the, in, in the midweek and then 
been able to charge around for 80 minutes on a Saturday. 80 minutes. Jeez, I was playing 40 minutes by then. <laughs> um, you, I love how you talk about like investing in yourself, but in terms of investing actual money in buying kit to look after yourselves, whether that be meal prep, meal plans, are you doing extra kind of training, you know, recovery setups at home? Have you got like a key bit of kit that you rely on or, or meal prep? What is it? Johnny, anything? I'd use a um, a farm shop back in Exeter with that has really good really good meat and I like to make sure that I'm eating the right stuff really quality food oh man that's my own heart it's just it's normal just foam rollers like a stretching band doesn't cost hardly anything you know it's just it's more that it's more the time with it really okay Will sort about you uh just just with my like joint issues I've had like a game ready ice machine obviously that's that's a vital bit of kit for me at the minute if we have a big session, like being able to put that on on an evening and just basically calm everything back down, <laughs> calm everything back down uh, is is vital. And we've got these things, these sauna blankets now. I don't know, I know that it's crazy, isn't it? Can you uh, recommend? Or uh, well, but, well, but, well, yeah, they're, they're very good. Um, obviously, with like lockdown, things like saunas, you can't go in saunas, can you? Um, you know, they're not open to. You know, we can't use the, the spa facilities here. So this blanket is obviously you just wrap yourself up and. The, the electrodes get going and uh, yeah, it's um, sitting there for 20 minutes. You come out and you've lost <laughs> you've lost a couple, couple of kilos. You yeah. must be, you and Johnny May must be one of the leanest players in the team. Like if, <laughs> if you're, if you're recommending that, Will, so I'm, I'm signing up right now. I might wrap myself in three, be like a pig in a blanket. <laughs> Boy, look at the farmer. He likes that. He's getting all excited. Pigs in blankets. <laughs> Let's talk about USPs, unique selling points. Johnny Hill, what is yours? I, I like your hero, if I'm honest. But what about your game? What what is it that you bring to the game that you think is your strong point? Are we talking about rugby now? Or are we just talking about general? Oh, yeah, well, I mean, what's a USB outside of rugby? Tell me something interesting <laughs> about you. Well, I'm quite laid back. Um, and I think that's a strength of mine. So I just I enjoy enjoy relaxing and I think I can bring like a calmness around the squad. Okay. Are you calmer than Courtney Laws? No. <laughs> no, he's Jamaican. You can't get any more laid back than Jamaican Courtney Laws, honestly. No, he's very calm. He is, yeah. Uh, for a man with four kids, he's the most chilled man alive. <laughs> That's why he loves being in camp so much, Will, so you know all about that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, I've got an inkling to what your USP is, Mark Wilson. Uh, why don't you tell us what you think it is? <laughs> no, nah, look, from a, from a rugby perspective, obviously, you know, I, I, I like working hard. Uh, I like working hard from teammates and trying to be the best teammate I can be. Um, and that's like off the field as well. I think it's important that, you know, that you, that you're a good team man around camp when, especially when lads are, um, you know, might be missing home or, you know, the pressures of sometimes what the camp can bring. And I think it's important that they've got people around them that uh, are pretty level headed. So, you know, that's what I'd probably say. What I'd like to think is what I, I bring to the camp. Going back to the USB things, um, things you're not so good at, you know, my experience with any high performance setup, you get some pretty direct feedback on what needs improving. Obviously, as the individual, as the athlete, as the player, you've got to go ask the questions and seek advice on how to get better. But have you guys kind of directed to what needs to work on? I mean, you know, Will, at the ripe old age that you are, I don't know how many times I'm going to refer to your age in this podcast. I'm sorry. But Johnny, even as a, a younger player, have you had some pretty direct feedback on, on what you need to improve on? I think you can always be fitter and it's something that I've always kind of 
dreaded you know when you're on the line and he's like you're on your front in five seconds and you're going to run to the other line and you're going to go down up and come back and being like on that line nervous it's I find I get that I kind of get that like anxiety and it's it's like you know you're alive you know when you're doing that and when you're doing four when you've done four reps out of like 10 you then you really do know you're alive you know do you look to someone older in the team like Wilkes whose USP is hard work and graft and how fit he is. Do you see that as inspiring that he's doing that? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming yeah. he's streets ahead of you in those runs and getting off the floor as well. Probably not. Have you seen how long his stride length is? <laughs> what, when he gets going, he's going. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Galloping away. No, genuine though. Do, do you look to other boys in the team and does that make you think, oh, I need to get up to that, you know, I need to be up to scratch, I need to catch up with him? Yeah, definitely. It's something we've spoken about. It's it's infectious when you're when you're in a kick chase and someone's someone's ahead of you and dragging you along. It's it's important. The the one thing when you retire, right? Or what I've found in, in reflection is you miss being pushed. You miss someone with that carrot or the stick kind of pushing you and challenging you every day. Like when when you retire, you sit home and no one makes you feel uncomfortable because you can always just take the easy option and even when you go to train there's no challenge to it i suppose even if you push yourself but the one thing i do miss from being in that high performance that international setup is being pushed every day and when you're in it it's murder like you say you get a little bit anxious about the fitness test but when you're like me a couple years out of the game sat at home like i'd love to be back in that environment being prodded because every day you're kind of growing you're being pushed you know you're you're kind of superhuman where you're at the moment it's amazing um, so keep enjoying it we'll stay there for another 10 years Johnny much more to come from you Mark Wilson Johnny Hill thank you for joining me this evening uh, I understand you've got birthday cake to go enjoy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you boys cheers Earl. thanks very much good night good luck this week If you fancy getting your hands on an England shirt, signed by those guys and the rest of the squad, make sure you leave us a review and you'll automatically be in with a chance to win. Podcast fan Music's Hymn left us this one. The podcast gets better and better, the best balance of humour and content compared to the other pods. The insight in camp is always fascinating. I appreciate that. Thanks, mate. And while you're telling us what you think, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any of the good stuff we've got coming up. Enjoy the Guinness Six Nations action this weekend. And don't forget, England will host Italy on Saturday, 2.15 UK time. And I'll catch you next week.